What's up, everybody out there? Welcome back to yet another Addicted Fishing Podcast brought to you by our friends Nick Wax. Nick Wax, awesome little re- refurbishing Gore-Tex product, and uh, they're nice enough to sponsor this wonderful podcast. So a big shout out to you guys. Today, we're talking how to read water and the situation that we're here, the situation that we're in here in the uh, Pacific Northwest uh, it is pretty valuable right now considering there's so much of that water coming down the hill. So. It's, it's really easy to read right now because you drive to the river, you see that it's about the consistency of uh, Hershey's milk, uh-huh. and then you just drive home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. been pretty I read good. It. Yeah. yeah I read it. It's not looking good. And I'm going to go uh, have a cup of coffee and get the, the picture book at that point. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, it's flooding around here, getting crazy. But no, we want to talk to you guys about how, like, you know, we get these questions all the time in our live feed and stuff. And, you know, for these newer anglers, we want to hope, hopefully kind of walk through the process on, like, you know, what that steelhead is particularly looking for. And, you know, there's a million variables in steelhead fishing. And, you know, it's kind of hard to describe a little bit like on a podcast. I was going to say, we're all three going to be guides here tonight because we're going to all contradict ourselves a bunch of times. <laughs> we're going to say it's this way in one spot and we're going to say, oh, but it's this way in another. Right. Forget what I just said about the last one. But ultimately, it's probably one of the most important things that you need to take to the river with you. Oh, That's it doesn't matter reason, what you have no, on your line. It's you the can't reason the water. 1% catch... Ninety uh, percent, because the other guys are fishing the ninety-nine percent of the water that's not holding fish. Yes, yes, or whatever percent. And we've all been there when a guy is casting, casting, casting. We think, oh crap, those guys are not holding. They leave. We go make one yeah. cast and hook one. And it's because those guys might have not been reading the water properly. They might, and which correlates into your setup, which correlates into your depth, with your your weight of your jig head, or blah blah blah. There's so many variables that go into it. But there is a very basic, uh, uh, basically, you know thesaurus of certain things that are going to make a steelhead be in a certain spot no matter what so and a lot of that i'm going to say you know water clarity is a big one we kind of started off on that with with the uh with the way that the rivers are now and they're super high and there's a lot of water but water clarity a lot of times and and height of water so your conditions relative to the weather that you have and, and the kind of river you are on is what really changes where those fish are going to be yeah, let's talk about that. So, like, you know, right now, River's Chocolate, it's super high, super muddy. You know, those fish are, let's just say they're impossible to catch. Mm-hmm. You might have some plunking spot on some soft seam somewhere. So that's the other thing, you know, and, and you talked about it just in the beginning. You can't use the, just, you can't use the words always and never in this discussion because mm-hmm. fish swim through all the water and they do what they damn well please. But you cannot find fish if the fish can only see a half inch in front of your face. Right. So it'd be kind of tough. But as the water clears, the water's going to be, it's going to be higher. It's going to be darker. Fish are always looking for cover. I mean, they're never sitting out in the open unless they're Moving. sitting on a red or they're skirting through. And even when they're skirting through, if they're skirting through, they're going from cover to cover. They're not just like kind of out in the middle, just swimming around out in the middle. Now, of course, you have those trap situations. Like I said, you can't use always and never. You have those trap situations when the water's really low and they're just pulled up somewhere and you can walk down mm-hmm. in the river and see, oh, there's 20 of them laying there. You right. know? And you get to get frustrate yourself getting them to bite. But at the end of the day, yeah, that water visibility is probably your key factor because I think as these rivers drop, people tend to think, you know, as the water gets to that four and five foot of visibility, that the fish are always like in the deepest part of the run, the deepest the part of the holes. Yeah, always in the same spots. Always but in the same not. spots. And and they're not. As you as you got two foot of visibility, 
you'll have guys that'll walk up and fish the main meat parts of these runs and 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 fish where like they've caught fish a hundred times before but then walk out and then the guy walks in below him and just fishes a little bit further back into the tail out. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have that foot or two foot of visibility, those fish will hold in a foot or two foot of water sometimes way back in those tail outs where would, what most people would think would be too shallow. Now add about three to four to five feet of visibility. Chances are if those fish don't have some bedrock or some boulder cover in there, they're going to force themselves up into, you know, those deeper parts of the runs or, you know, where you find that more steadier current where you just, pretty much barely can't see them right but on two different days in the same spot those fish could be at the back of the run they could be in the meat of the run and then on the other extreme if the water gets really 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 low and clear and you can see all the way to the bottom of it and you have a little rapid in front or you have some kind of cover like a riffle or a bubble curtain those fish will even then push up into there so you have the same run you know the same like like i said riffle pool tail out but at any constantly. given time with the water visibility they could sit anywhere on that stretch that's what i, I say a lot of times that's what i say a lot of times people is when when you have conditions change and you're fishing an area or a river that you know and there's fish you know you're there the the one day where you nailed them with all your buddies and you called your other buddy and you're heading down to the river again because you know they're there and you show up to the hole and conditions change and you go oh they left and I say that a lot of times, especially if you're at terminal zones like a hatchery or high up in a river or at a big staging hole. The fish don't leave. They just move. They disappear. And, and I have learned that air. a lot by going to places with a lot of fish, like Alaska. And stuff. Yeah. Like these fish, we know they're here, but they are going to be in a different part of the hole or, or even like my favorite home river. It happens a lot. These fish don't, as the water drops, they're not leaving, you know, but... I guess kind of the overall base of the conversation is like we're, we're going to put a quotation around steelhead water. And my idea of steelhead water has changed a lot over the last couple of years, mainly just by by having the opportunity to fish with a lot of different people, you know, like like Nick Popoff and and, yeah, you know, and then that. fishing with Cameron and then fishing with Marlon and then fishing with Josh. It's also been a bit out of necessity, too, wouldn't you agree? Because as the runs have been kind of down and been kind of tough. It's been tough, a way and better as, fisherman, as, and I thought I was right. a better fisherman before. You right. Know. No, I think I think that to your point, that's that's huge because you know, especially as we see the elimination of these other fisheries, you got more people fishing kind of these rivers, and and uh, you have to think a little outside the box. You have to dig a little deeper. You can't just go to that hatchery yeah, I mean, run that and and you know, unless you're there at three in the morning, fish that one and, and in get the middle to sit of the there run and hope and you fish work. every time. Yeah, you got to work. So Josh, what, we'll go left to right here. What what would you call steelhead water? For me, it's always going to start with walking speed water. Yeah, that's it's all I mean, about speed. If the speed of current again, it doesn't work every time because there's times when you're not fishing walking speed water, but conditions are perfect. You're looking for that walking speed water. Mm -hmm. And throughout the day, I think that you know, depending on where you're at, given pressure, blah blah blah. But we all know where fish want to be. Yeah. But then, like when you really can can get to the point where you start becoming a little more advanced, you start to think of where the fish are going to. Yeah, that that perfect that perfect fish sitting in the tail out right in the middle of walking speed was there, but somebody caught him this morning, and if they didn't, they floated over there and moved him. So where where's the second place that fish goes to? And so I can I can agree with Josh. Walking speed, I would say three to eight feet deep walking speed, bouldery structure with a, a you know not too much obstruction in your drift because lots of times obviously we're, we're drifting a float or we're mm -hmm. throwing a spinner or something. Unless you like donating jigs to logs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I think comes, you know, kind of have to pay your dues there. Yeah. Whatever give it. You, you got to learn. Yeah. 
But uh, it, it goes to you know speed is speed is critical. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna touch on this with Josh because like speed is critical. But sometimes too, like when you're looking at when you're looking at a run and you're looking at a ripple and, and you see that speed when you cast out your float and you get that nice vertical perfect presentation. If you're you know if you're a float fisherman or not, but sometimes like when those fish get up into the riffles and get into those boulder mazes, it might look like it's going fast and it might look like it's cruising but underneath. But underneath is where the fish are holding, and underneath the speed might be right. So you got to yeah. have sometimes like you talked about thinking outside the box, digging a little deeper, trying to dig these fish out of some of these cover spots that they might be hiding from pressure and they might be hiding from clear, you know, sunny water. Well, that's uh, a perfect example. I'm glad you guys said that of, of the speed is very, very, uh, almost should be number one because if you're standing and looking at a run and the run has a lot of variables, there's a lot of moving there's parts. There's a lot of different areas ball, of speed. You're going to look for the part of the run. Maybe the whole run isn't correct. But if you're there and you're forced to fish it and that's what you're fishing, you're going to look for the, the spot in the run where the speed is correct. And that's where you're going to cast. Start there. You're not going to waste a lot of your time at all in those faster moving parts. So exactly. If you see the, if you walk up to your favorite hole, the river's high, and the the water with within a foot and a half, two feet at your feet is the right speed, that's where you need to be fishing yeah. Start a lot there, of times. Yeah. Even if it's fishing between the grass hummocks. My know? favorite like example of speed is when you're cat when you cast out, your bobber floats down and then it hits that sweet spot and your bobber just kind of slows Pauses. down. Yeah. And then yeah. Okay, so that like waiting for the drain. <laughs> that is that is I've told my clients that for years. Like yeah. you watch your bobber go through like the you cast you always want to fish a little bit above where you think the fish are, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you think the fish are on the thing if the fish are on the X, you don't ever cast your gear at the X. Yeah. But it does seem like fish bite, whether it's in a little choppy run or whether it's a nice slow, you know, deep tail out, it does seem like the barber, you'll cast out and the, the barber will float down the river at a speed. And then right before it gets bit, it just seems to hang up. It seems to just slow down a little bit. And I, I swear to God, those are just the spots they just like. It to has to do something probably with the, the way the water moves and that's where they're resting. Oh, for sure. It's telling you what that water is yeah. doing. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. No, I think that is a, that's one of the biggest things that somebody could take from this podcast today is that is is identifying parts of runs, especially if you're in the Northwest. I know everybody out in the Northeast and the Midwest aren't really dealing with the same thing because they have normal winters and they just get snow. But you know, we're all going to find as we go into these next few weeks of fishing and this the rest of the season, honestly, or the rest of forever, when when you come off of these really high water events, you're going to spend the whole day, and it's even me as a guide. If I float a whole river, I'm going to spend it a, a whole day finding the two or three spots that I have the best opportunity at presenting it to the fish. Not even catching it, but I know this is the only place that if there was a fish, I'm going to get it to bite. And that's where I'm going to spend my time. That takes a lot of time. You, But you understand that you you spend an ungodly amount of time on these waters and, and fish in your water. Or, you know, you've also seen it. But I would have to say like some of the advice for like these other anglers is maybe don't run down to that hatchery hole and don't run down to the spot. Learn how to fish first. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and we, I talk about that a lot, you know, even in big water stuff, it's like, don't learn to fish a spot, learn to fish. Yeah. And so if you're one of these guys and you're still trying to piece it together, don't, don't just think because two guys beat you down to the hole and they're sitting on what you think is the spot. It might not be learn to fish and, and start by start the process by fishing everything. Right. And it kind of goes into the same way. We made a comment on our good friend, Nick Popoff. Mm -hmm. None of us, yeah. you know, as, as kind of transversing out of speed and looking for the common water. At the same time, as like Cam said, when you're in a high-pressure environment, 
Look for the hiding spots. Look mm-hmm. for the spots that you wouldn't think they're at. Yeah. It's almost like there's a mind game in between you and Steelhead. Like, but they, they hunt do em. go. Like Marlon says, hunt them. Yeah. Yeah, I got yeah. it. You know, like, like our good friend Nick likes to fish a lot of really deep, boily, swirly, back eddy spots. Stuff, stuff that ninety five percent of the people just stuff blow that, right over. The and they might, yeah, they, might give, they might give they might give it a little courtesy spot. cast through it where their jig is three feet under the water and it's like a twelve foot deep spot and they're yeah. Yeah, and you have to change your setup to to adapt to that as well. I think that's a big part of what people should realize. You know, for the next weeks on end, I might not touch a fixed float. And there's a lot of people out there that just finally got loaded up on them and they're ready to go fish them, but it's it's going to be ineffective for you. So be able to be able to fish that water, and and or you might go to a fixed float if you're fishing a hole and you only got the grass bank right at your feet. You're going to mm-hmm. want to go to a fixed float or yeah. something you can get shallow enough. Um, or or let me let me jump in here. Amazing. Or if you're fishing a high pressure area and a lot of guys are running all this gear through the water and and, and like I said, most likely with at least in our situation right now with the high water, a lot of these fish are going to be getting they're they're getting the fast track to where they want to be. And if that spot is in front of sitting in front of the hatchery chilling for a little bit, uh, then you might want to be have the stealthier presentation. You know, getting rid of that inline weight from the sliders, what you're referring to, and mm-hmm. just go into that fixed float setup. Yeah, just a float. And you're addicted worm. Yeah. Or bead or whatever. But being being adverse and, and looking for new spots and experimenting, I think, and it, it might cost you some gear. It might, but that's what you buy it for. So yeah. The river giveth, the river taketh. And you gotta give it to the river if you wanna take it at times, you know. Um, but trying that different water. I know I know like one of the first times Marlon and I ever fished together, I grabbed my spinner and I walked up into a, a minefield of rocks and he kind of shrugged his shoulders and, and started fishing the sweet spot in the hole. And I pulled a fish out and he, ever since he's like, man, okay. You did that same exact thing to me. You <laughs> spit that out ten, uh, a, a second before I was going to say like, yeah, I mean, it's almost like when Jordan comes in behind you and fishes that spinner when I wouldn't even carry a damn spinner in my arsenal for years. Like, right. I'm like, <laughs> spinner? Yeah. Why do I fish a spinner? I, think one of I know the how first, to float fish and I drift fish. And one of the first steel that I ever hooked with Jordan was in like literally like six inches of water. And he's like, make sure you're picking behind every boulder. And was I'm it low like, and clear? Oh, it was so low, so and clear. clear. So they're up there. I mean, hiding, I know they're hiding in the riffles. Hiding you know, in the they they nose up into those, you know, into the into the boulders to get it out of the current or whatever and be feel safe. But right, it kind I, of goes. I right looked back. at Jordan like I'm not going to catch a fish right here, mm-hmm. and literally, Spinner just stopped and hooked a fish in like six mm-hmm. inches of water. Tail walking. We got a cool picture of that one. Yeah, that was a cool fish. But it kind of goes right back to like where we started as as far as. Uh, you know, moving around and, and looking for different spots in those holes and the fish not leaving, you know, they're, they're, especially if they're getting that fast track, like Cameron was saying, uh, in, in a lot of situations in Oregon and Washington and stuff, the, the pan or the, the traps to rotted hatcheries might even be closed. They're not even letting the fish in because they're not ripe enough and they want to give the anglers the opportunity to catch them. So in that case, you know, they're not, if, if you have a lot of pressure, if you have a lot of people in a run or the conditions aren't perfect for that run, and these fish aren't going anywhere. They're coming to spawn. Some of them might turn and burn. They might come and spawn and head out. But those we're, we're talking more wild fish on that regard. Um, oh no, hold on. Hatchery fish do go above hatcheries. Right, just for right, the, right, right. That, right. I throw that. They, why, they yeah. don't. They don't stop there by yeah, any record. Right. We have wild fish, right? <laughs> yeah, last, yeah. yeah. Last year I did better above a hatchery for hatchery fish than I did below it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, but the weird catches 100%, which is a lie. Anyways, go but on. But these fish come, and they're not going anywhere. So at some point, yeah. you have to they're pull hanging. out of the sweet spot, and you have to go experiment and fish water that you don't necessarily think is, is correct. Because after all, I always say the steelhead are my favorite because at a lot of times, in a lot of instances, 
they are one of the easier species to catch. They're aggressive. And especially if they're an aggressive steelhead that hasn't been caught yet, odds are you don't have to get it too close or you might have to not have a perfect, exactly perfect presentation to get them to bite. So what that tells me is go cast everywhere. Start at the top, use, use what I always say on our tutorials. Cast, take two big boy steps, cast again. Close, middle, yeah. far, two big boy steps. Cool. And it doesn't matter what presentation you're using. Effectively cover that water and then just experiment with what you have there for you on the river. So I got one more thing for you. Talk about, and we talk about this a lot, like we, you know, in a lot of our tutorials and whatnot, but talk about like the strategy of move, 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 move versus, exactly versus hang say. 10. I messed up and on work that water. on Monday before the water blew out. We had a plan to go a long ways, so we stuck to it, and it was a, it was a buddy trip. We mm -hmm. didn't really, you know, we wanted to catch fish, but we weren't really dying to, you know, it wasn't life or death on the day. And uh, we got down to one of the best second hole we stopped at, one of the best spots. We fished. I let they let my two buddies fish through it. I came behind them with a worm, drug it down, hooked a fish. You know, ten minutes into being there, and I know that we if we would have stayed, we would have got them. Yeah. We would have got more fish. I don't. Know if Why is that lunch. though? But because they were there, there was well, terminal. That's a spot. They were there were hatchery fish. fish. Yeah. It was a good hold. It was a good hold. Is a good holding spot for when the water. But also a hard spot to fish. You know, we could have made 10, 15 casts and not got just that right drift. You know what I mean? And, and it, it's a spot where it's a section of river that takes those proper drifts, or might just be the right, wrong color bead went by them. You know, they weren't that dumb. Yeah. Um, and so in that case, you know, like after these high waters. It might not be the best idea to run and move because you might have these these the fish are moving for yes, you. Yes, exactly. There's lots of days on my favorite river, my home river, that I get out fished. I'll, I'll go down. I'll work my butt off. We'll get a couple of fish. Turned out to a successful day, and then I'll see pictures or get a mm -hmm. report later on from the dudes that were, you know, camped out in the within the spot. vicinity at a, the end of a tail out drift fishing, and they, you know, they put 12, 15 fish on the bank, and I'm like, oh. But let's talk about I the can't stop there. But let's talk about the flip side of it because there's a lot of times floating some of the like tinier rivers that I like to fish where I've gone down in the hole and it's like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm talking the water is low, low. And talk to an anglers, talk to a couple anglers, fish in there and and hey guys, how's it going? Oh, oh, it's good, beautiful morning. Yeah, how's fishing? Man, we haven't seen we've been here since daylight. I haven't seen anything. And I'm thinking like, okay, it's 10, 11 o'clock. If I wouldn't have dug a fish out of this hole in the first 30 minutes, it's not a very, keep in mind, it's not a very big run. And I understand that at that water level and the conditions that we had, that those fish aren't moving. Like I don't even, I won't even take a cast. It's like, Oh, have a good day guys. And carry on down the road and try to get down river, knowing that they didn't move anywhere, but also knowing that fish are not moving towards them. Like they're not going to move in those bright daylight situations. They're going to hang, they're going to hunker down. They're going to find cover. And so you don't want to fall into this trap too, where if you feel like you've gone to that spot, especially when the water's low, like especially when the, water, the fish are not moving, uh, don't sit there and blast that same freaking spot for four hours. You got to know when to hunt and when to sit. When to hunt, when to yeah. sit. That's a good point. Yep. So that's that's the other end of that spectrum too. Well, if you guys haven't uh, already done so, if you guys out there listening on just the uh, podcast itself, be sure to check out some of our uh, YouTube tutorials. And addicted fishing on some of these same things you know there's quite a few videos that we've done on how to read water how to fish and read that water for steelhead so if you haven't already checked that stuff out a lot of educational and fun stuff on there or you can just watch some of the shows when we go out and catch them see by example yep. so, 
Thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. If you haven't already on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Later, guys.